and welcome to the LMC Committee podcast, our regular update for practices. Um, I'm Rosa Wildman and I'm here with Dr. Reed Baker, LMC Medical Director, and Mr. Nick Turner, the LMC Practice Support Officer. Over to you, Reed. Thanks, Rosa. So, yeah, we had our um, July committee meeting. Um, and had a wide range of discussion as ever. Um, as we usually do uh, at committee, we had a guest speaker, uh, and this time it was um, Sarah Jane Savage and Jodie Waddington um, who came to talk to us about the rapid lung cancer pathway. So, as colleagues in practices will know, um, the FRED pathway has been in place in Lancashire for a little while, um, and um, the, the pathway itself is struggling in terms of capacity. I think um, it was set up for about 150 referrals per month, was the expectation, and they've been getting around 800. Um, and what they're finding is a lot of patients have been sent um, direct for x-ray when cancer wasn't necessarily um, suspected and also as we know during Covid we didn't have direct access to x-rays so there's been a backlog in the system so they're reviewing that pathway and they came to present it to committee and I think overall committee were quite supportive of the pathway um, that um, we want the right patients to be going through a, a lung cancer pathway and getting that help that they need um, and actually, it looks like on the new pathway, there's going to be no significant change for us in general practice in terms of additional workload, other than ensuring, which we'd hope that we would do anyway, that uh, smoking status was put on a, a referral that was going in uh, for possible uh, lung cancer. Um, there was lots of discussion about um, cases that maybe have been missed on the FRED pathway and, and, and people that have been referred back to their GP rather than being put into a into a FRED um, respiratory um, MDT. Um, so there's lots of work to still be done looking at how we can safety net um, at a system level as part of this pathway. But overall, as I said, it was welcomed by a committee um, and um, generally supported. So we, as I said, we talked about quite a few things. Um, the highlight points we'll, we'll go into now. Um, one thing we wanted to just mention, uh, which we discussed at committee, was um, practices struggle perhaps accessing some of the winter support funding from last year. Um, and although we're having a glorious summer so far with not a drop of rain, mm. winter is fast approaching um, and discussions have started. Um, as to how we might um, have a winter plan in place in plenty of time for winter in Lincolnshire this year um, and um, some lessons learned from last year as part of the, the process of planning for this winter and a real push towards having those acute respiratory infection hubs that um, we expected to be in place last winter but weren't in most areas. I certainly think that the practices would benefit from even having a, a rough idea of a plan you know, even now, rather than uh, waiting till November, December time, when actually things are to a critical level and they're already then struggling to uh, secure staff, um, which will then be able to um, provide them some help in those uh, really busy times. Yeah, most definitely, Nick. I think uh, we need that time to plan. We know winter is coming, um, and essentially our patients need need that to be as as, as well as they can through winter period. Absolutely. Um, so we talked briefly about uh, protected learning time, which has been something that we've been moving forward with slow progress um, uh, in the LMC, along with our colleagues at the ICB. Um, trying again to get that protected learning time for practices to have the headspace and the um, back uh, fill to attend learning events, potentially it's um, county-wide 
uh, locality or even some events within their practice because we know that's how we can roll out new pathways how people can learn um, and we can improve um, patient outcomes hopefully and we want to reassure practices that um, CQC are very very supportive of protected learning time uh, they feel it's very um, good use of staff time to have that protected time to be able to do their core training attend staff meetings and or um, have guest speakers in to talk about certain aspects of their roles to help obviously provide their self-improvement and actually, and actually just give them a bit of um, quality time where they can actually just engage with the wider team to understand about how to make best use of their practice and improve some efficiency. So it is something that's really important. CQC are very supportive of it. So hopefully protected learning time will become a thing in Lincolnshire in the near future. Yeah, we hope that on our next podcast we'll be able to give a, a further update and that hopefully we're closer to having something put in place, which would be great news for colleagues across practices. Um, in terms of a section we have called Plan Care, where we talk about things that are happening from a, a waiting list perspective um, and just secondary care services, most practices will probably be aware direct access to x-rays has restarted, bear in mind we just discussed that in, in the lung cancer pathway. Um, and there's certain times that, that patients can attend. Uh, I think at system level, uh, they weren't quite clear that general practice was fully aware of that, but I think it's really welcome that we've got that back because it was really difficult for practices and patients if uh, when we didn't have that direct access. One thing we've heard about a little bit at the LMC and we did discuss at committee was that letters had gone to some practices, although we were only aware of a small number of practices, um, stating that um, the phlebotomy clinics at, at Lincoln County were not doing GP bloods. And we've highlighted this as a risk to the system at a time when uh, not all practices are signed up for a phlebotomy and hand service anyway. Um, and this could cause severe delays and, and, and potential health inequalities uh, for patients if they're not able to access phlebotomy clinics uh, at the uh, hospitals in Lincolnshire. We're hoping for some update on that um, and, and, and book practices to be aware that if they get that letter, then they can please make contact with us. Moving on to um, IT and digital, so just a couple of small updates. Um, there's not been much movement on the changes to allow patients access to their uh, prospective data from the 31st of October. Uh, we are aware that GPC, although in principle, um, agrees with this as a, as a good way forward. What they don't like is the forced rollout of things being pushed on practices. So we haven't heard anything more about that at the moment, but obviously we'll keep people, uh, keep practices informed as and when we know more. I think what the app, the ideal outcome would be is to allow practices to move it forward at their discretion. Um, and so they're not putting undue pressure on themselves at what is obviously another busy time of the year. Um, so the, the telephony offer that's um, is again part of the new offer by being able to have a telephony system which is cloud-based. Um, again, that seems to have gone a little bit quiet over the last um, couple of months, and I think there's a lot of work going on in the background trying to work out which practices are most in need of this um, offer at the moment, and uh, I will update you as and when we get some more information about that. Uh, although we don't have many EMIS practices here, uh, there was some information that came out about EMIS potentially removing the panic button option from their clinical system. Um, this has been revoked for those practices who want to retain that option, so they just need to contact their EMIS supplier and that, that um, system will be um, left established for them. And the big thing in um, 
in the IT and digital world is the rollout of web feed to practices to replace label trace and the paper-based email system for radiology request. So this is moving forward at um, quite a pace now, uh, but practices are feeding back to us and through to the digital team that there are some uh, snags which we are taking on board and discussing with the wider web feed team to see if it can become more of a system which is uh, beneficial to practices rather than being something they feel is being um, imposed upon them. Uh, there definitely are benefits to the system um, and I think we just need to keep working with them to make sure that practices can understand what the true benefits are moving forward. So uh, we'll keep you informed of how we progress with WebV as it uh, over the next few months. Yeah, thanks Nick. I think yeah, plenty of concerns raised with practice in terms of the functionality and getting used to it, isn't it? So it'd be good. I think it's a working group that's been put together to work through those snags, as you say, to hopefully make it a smoother process for everybody. Yeah, and I think that um, one thing that practice haven't been told much about is is what the the reason for the changeover and also the um, uh, the, the benefits that it currently offers, um, which might then allow them to accept some of the, the little things that they find a bit more confusing or difficult until those things are, are rectified. But we uh, we hope to find a solution that will work for, for everybody concerned. And then finance is clearly a, a huge issue um, uh, and part of, of practices day to day running. Um, and we've, as we said before, we continuously raise the, um, the risk um, from the inflationary pressures on practices to the ICB. Um, and again, some data we've shared previously, but um, in the last five-year contract cycle, uh, maximum minimum wage has gone up by about 29%, and the funding into GMS to support that has gone up by about 10.5%, so clearly there's a, a big um, uh, funding gap there for practices, which may have affected them. Um, and utilities, in the last 12 months, we had a 2.1% um, uplift, but utilities on average, gas and electricity went up by about 20%, so again, a big financial pressure on practices and that's before we think about other things uh, that they've experienced um, and we know that things like enhanced services the uplift has not been particularly high 1.8 percent on this last um, set of enhanced services uplifts um, and as we know with lots of discussions with practices everyone's just looking at the bottom line and seeing what's viable from the services they provide and also what is beneficial to the patients and what potentially is already supplied um, or, uh, service wise elsewhere and um, we had a very very successful day at Lincolnshire LMC day at Donton Hall a couple of weeks ago uh, where we talked a lot about enhanced services and Nick unveiled his fantastic calculator which we'd strongly encourage practices to look at to see what services they're providing currently that um, that they might want to review um, the viability or how they um, deploy those services going forward. It certainly created quite a, a nice varied discussion amongst the group into that uh, particular topic uh, but overall the whole day was very very successful and obviously people really appreciated um, the time and effort that went into it so uh, well done to the organisers, and that'll be mainly Rosa. I think it's, it's really important practice to look at that. The ICB are aware of the, the risks for enhanced services, and I think they're particularly aware around phlebotomy and, and things like treatment room, because we know the impacts. Nick, you'll know the figure better than me. Isn't it about 50 pence with uh, per episode of phlebotomy that a practice would lose purely on staffing costs without any Absolutely. utilities, etc.? Um, so once you build in, use Nick's calculator, once you build in those figures, you'll see what's happening in your practice with your own data. What One piece of good news since, I suppose, the, the, the committee meeting we had is that um, you may have seen nationally there's talk of a 6% um, uplift 
for practices to support their salaried staff. Uh, initially they seem to be aimed at salaried GPs but it seems to be all salaried staff within practices. Clearly there's no detail on when that's going to come, the framework it's going to come within um, and um, how that's going to be calculated, how they'll know what practices have which staff and how to fund. But that might be a little bit of support when it comes through for practice to help them through a particularly difficult time but that doesn't um, negate from the fact that we need to get more funding into general practice uh, in Lincolnshire and nationally um, to support us to be successful uh, and sustainable. The difficulty for practices is though is that their staff see this six yeah. percent increase being offered to general practice and they start thinking straight away actually I need my money now I was only given a 2% increase this year I need my extra 4% and I need it back dated to April but the practices haven't even found out how this will happen or look so it does put the practices in quite a um, an awkward predicament about how best to manage this at the moment so we hope that the uh, uh, the information we need will come out fairly quickly and not dragged out over the next few months uh, leaving practices in a bit of an awkward uh, situation yeah I think overall it's definitely a, a positive it's not as much as we would hope just to thinking about inflation over the last year or so um, and you know even down to the is that six percent plus on costs or is it less on costs because if your staff are expecting six percent rise and you've got to then as the practice fund the on cost that's an additional cost to the practice so it actually might give the practice even more cost pressure so the detail will be crucial with this won't it absolutely so moving on, we've had a practice support network focused on GPAD. This was in response to uh, practices saying they felt a little bit out of their depth with what GPAD was. And although we have run um, sessions in the past about GPAD, we felt a refresher might be useful. So we engaged with the NHS England National Implementation Team and they did a, uh, a brief overview of GPAD followed by quite a uh, busy Q&A session at the end of that. Um, the outcome of that was that people felt um, they knew more, however I, th I think they still would like to know a bit more so hopefully we'll plan to do something in the near future um, with a bit more detail about the dashboard on GPAD so we look forward to advertising that presently. We've also got a, um, a CQC based support network event coming up um, in August and focusing on the safe side of uh, CQC so it'll be very important for people in practice who are employed in sort of like a practice management or a, a team leader role for the sort of things that they should focus on to make sure that they are deemed to be a safe practice so uh, again that will be advertised um, presently. Uh, regarding GPAS and OPAL so we have seen a slight increase on uptake from our practices and we do still encourage practices to engage with this for five minutes of their time it's worth a lot of weight for the LMC to um, engage with the ICB about the pressures that practices are under and since we've started this they have now implemented a national system so on a Thursday we take our summary data our status for Lincolnshire and we send that through to the national team who then put that into the national um, OPAL uh, GPAS system which then actually gets forwarded on to uh, the GPC exec team so they can actually engage with uh, uh, NHS England and the Department of Health etc so they can understand a, a bigger picture of what's happening in the country so again another reason for engaging with us on OPAL or on GPAS um, would be really helpful for the future and I 
I'm aware that um, the ICB are looking at a response tool, a response system for um, when they see practices struggling. So, um, but we don't have much more information about that at the moment, but more will follow. Yeah, Nick, I think that's the key thing people have been hoping for and wanting as part of this GPAS uh, response, haven't they? From, from a system level, what happens when my practice or the practices around me are really struggling? Um, and so we've seen the first draft of, of what that might look like and we've fed back to the ICB about maybe some changes we'd want to see, but things along the lines of um, some funding protection, potentially if you have to switch off certain functions due to you being in a red or black status, um, that maybe complaints hotlines could be set up by the ICB to handle your calls if your patients are concerned that you've had to switch off your on-the-day appointments because you have no clinicians because of X, Y, Z. So we'll work through that with the ICB, but that's why we really want practices to, to who aren't already to, to start doing uh, their GPAS responses. I do feel that if, um, if practices could have the answer to the um, what's the point or what will happen if I do this, you know, um, then I think people will engage with it more and, because it's nothing to do with the amount of time taken to actually do it because it's very, very quick and easy. It is about the what's the point and I think hopefully we are close to having that addressed. So um, for any of those of you who were at the Your LMC event, Kate did a very, very uh, robust CQC presentation all about the new um, ways of inspecting and monitoring practices based around the single assessment framework. So she went into the details about how uh, the new scoring system will work, which is quite complicated, but the outcome should be that practices have a clear idea of where they sit within the various um, uh, assessment boundaries. So you could be on the top end of the good, pushing very good or outstanding, or you know getting a bit too close to requires improvement, which might give you the, an, an idea of the areas to focus on to keep your practice in the in the right area um, she also pointed out that CQC um, can um, change or will be able to change a rating based around evidence alone not just about coming out to inspections which is an interesting development and a bit about the new portal which is also going to be available for practices to submit their evidence to rather than have to email to uh, the inspector so uh, we do I uh, look forward to seeing how that develops and as and when we know more information we do intend to put on a bit more training about CQC and inspections and as we've always said in the past there is the opportunity for practices to have one of us come out to you and be a fresh set of eyes on what you do and give you some advice and opinions on things you might want to consider just to keep yourself um, uh, within that good boundary of um, CQC. Um, so um, that offer is obviously available by contacting us. But you do like a nice biscuit and a cup of tea as you're doing that. Absolutely, work. it takes several hours. I need lots of refreshments. <laughs> um, uh, we talk uh, a little bit about uh, community pharmacy. Um, so our colleagues at LPC are a bit like us, in increasingly concerned about the financial pressures on their services and the volume of uh, workload and the um, lack of, of, of colleagues within community pharmacy, uh, particularly when we think about the recovery and access to primary care plan, which heavily relies upon pharmacy first model. Um, as some colleagues will be aware, there's been lots of closures uh, of, of chains of, of pharmacies across Lincolnshire with very short 
notice periods which may have had impacts on practices having to have their patients contacting them to uh, nominate a new pharmacy. Um, one thing that is a positive from a, a pharmacy point of view for those practices using farm refer um, for their CPCS referrals that is funded now um, for the rest of the financial year. Um, and again, if we're going to have a, a further reliance on pharmacy first, uh, we really need that robust um, pathway in place. And they do really like practices to use the farm first system as opposed to the email system because the farm first system prompts them straight away rather than email, which I think they probably only check a couple of times a day. So we can delay the process. So anybody who's using that, farm refer is the way forward. Yeah, and I think they talk about the bounce back rate so about. I can't remember now, about 3%, 5% with farm refer and much higher without, I think 30%. So. Absolutely. Um, we also talked a bit about each of the trusts, but I think the, the main thing I just wanted to highlight was we had a, um, a, a discussion about EMAS. Um, so we know, and I've heard quite a lot of queries recently from colleagues in practices, um, where they're getting calls from you know, EMAS colleagues out on uh, on their calls with uh, patients. Um, and there can be many aspects of this that are challenging for practices and for the, the EMAS colleagues on, on site. Um, so we've met, we meet regularly with EMAS uh, medical director and they're looking at refreshing the way that EMAS do contact practices, so they make it clear um, what they're contacting for, whether they just need some clinical details, some medical details, or whether they need to speak to a clinician. Um, and, and, and just we raised awareness for them that we're not contractually obliged to provide a sort of clinical service to uh, EMAS, though of course we want to support our partner colleagues and our patients. Um, so there's going to be a new framework around that, uh, which we'll feed into, but also they're looking at improving their um, written communications that come out to practices, because it can be unclear what actions might need to be taken by the patient or even by the practice um, for a follow-up, um, be that for something like uh, the blood pressure's a little bit raised, can, you, can that be rechecked uh, routinely or something like that. So that's positive um, improvement in communication, hopefully, but it's early stages of getting that done. So I'll just give a quick update on the practice manager update that they spoke about. The main thing was uh, the practice manager conference that's coming up on Thursday the 28th and Friday the 29th of September. Uh, we've got a really good event planned for you. Um, our keynote speaker will be talking about how to embrace your limits, set boundaries and deal with pushbacks. That sounds exciting. Um, but we've got lots of other things planned as well. So um, And there's a chance to let your hair down on the, uh, on the Thursday evening as well. Absolutely. That's the bit we look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> we look forward to the photo booth as well, hopefully, if that's provided this year. Yeah, we, we may have that. Um, <laughs> we may have some other surprises in store as well. Good, good. So, and you were going to talk a little bit about um, IGPM, which is something that we've uh, been doing this year um, successfully in Lincolnshire. Yep, so um, we've recently had the results of our um, cohort one, and they were really, really good. Um, we're currently midway through cohort two, and we will be starting cohort three, which is our last cohort. So after that, there, there won't be any more. Um, in September. So if you're if you're interested in becoming an accredited member of the um, IGPM, then please send your um, expression of interest to myself, and we'll we'll get you on that program. So it starts in September. Um, there's it's ten weeks of lunchtime preparation sessions, and then after the ten weeks, 
you submit your, um, your application and we fully support you through that process. And although those, um, it's good to attend all 10 if you possibly can to have the person there to assist you with that and actually your peer support as well. Um, they do, we do record them so if need be you can look back on them um, just to go through them as well. So, But I think from what I've seen on the first cohort they've been overwhelmingly positive and the second cohort are doing really well as well. So yeah. you know, look forward to seeing another budding group of IGPM accredited um, professionals in Lincolnshire yeah. in the near future. And as I said it's fully funded so this, this third cohort is fully funded too. So it's a really good opportunity. Yeah, it's a great way we're supporting practices um, and, and the wider practice team, isn't it, in terms of the practice managers there. And yeah, the feedback seems to have been really, really good. So we're proud to be uh, supporting that from Lincolnshire MC, aren't we? Definitely. Excellent. And also in terms of events, Rosa, you, you talked about the, um, the practice manager conference, which will be a low-key yeah. affair in the evening until Nick starts dragging people onto the dance floor. Um, <laughs> but we've also got the GP and AMP conference coming up. We do. That's that's on Friday the 3rd and Saturday the 4th of November. <laughs> um, this is, this is uh, the first time in years and years that we've offered a residential uh, conference to GPs, so it's an extra special event. Um, and we've got lots planned. And so the Hilton in Lincoln. So is, hopefully yeah. nobody will wander out and fall into the river, but um, <laughs> I suppose it could happen. The theme is head in a spin, so that's probably <laughs> quite a good one. Um, but we've got a really good mix of clinical and non-clinical um, sessions. And we've got an outstanding chair for you, which is going to be a surprise nearer the day. <laughs> Excellent. I, love that. I mean, both those conferences sound great. I mean, without blowing our own trumpet, they do sound great. Um, and I think um, hopefully colleagues will find them really, really interesting and useful. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Excellent. So does that bring us to the end of the... Uh, the committee notes I think for July. Yeah, if anybody is interested in observing a committee meeting then please get in touch with us. The next meeting is on Tuesday the 12th of September so um, we, we we offer a, a dinner in the evening so you can come along for dinner and observe the meeting but we do recommend that, that people come along at least once because it's very interesting to see what the committee get up to and what they discuss. And then that might encourage them to join the committee or apply to, to join the LMC committee yes. and be involved in those um, discussions and in feeding into the system to hopefully make things better for all of our colleagues across the county. Thank you, Rosa. Thank you, Nick. And thank you for listening.